you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. That's hooey and applesauce. Three words for that. Ooh, blah, and blah. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. Oh, it's gangbusters. Damn a shit. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? We are 28 days away at the time of this recording from regular season kickoff. And uh, it is Thursday in the a.m. out here on the West Coast. And uh, that means that uh, in just a few hours, preseason football kicks off. Let's talk about it to, uh, to our pal from NFL.com. Adam Rank, who was compared, by the way, after uh, the premiere of uh, the NFL.com fantasy preview show last night on the network. I saw on Twitter someone compared you to King Kong Bundy. (laughs) And it's an apt comparison. Thanks. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, thanks for that comparison. Well, uh, that's a flattering one. But what was what was it in reference to? I, did, I just look like King Kong Bundy up on the uh, panel there with all the oh, fellas okay. that we're doing the show with Elliot Harrison, Andy Siciliano, uh, Mike Fabiano, and Dave Damashek. Because of three of those guys, I'm like three times the size. That's I. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. You tower <laughs> over them in in both uh, height and width and girth. Yes. yes. Um, so, all right. Like I say, preseason football. I got to be honest with you. I don't want to be a curmudgeon. I don't want to be a no. wet blanket. I, it's great. Yes. A few weeks ago, who knew if we were going to see these games or whatever, but I can't get too excited about it. You know, it's a, it's preseason foot. By the way, do you hear my allergies are kicking up and it gives me a nice smoky quality. <laughs> maybe my voice will be a Is little, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, I'll be a little less annoying in, in the voice. I like that. So how much time are you going to devote to preseason football on Thursday night or over the weekend? I don't know. Adam. Talk about it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, we are going to talk about football hard. Hardcore 
style Hardcore. with uh, one of my favorites um, with from uh, ESPN.com. Used to talk to him a lot on my uh, on my old show, and we're going to bring him back. He's on the banks of the Three Rivers as we speak. He's uh, he's a great scout. Worked with uh, the Cleveland Browns. Worked with the Pitt Panthers, and so on. Knows his stuff obviously much more than uh, than than you do, or well, no, more than I do at least. But uh, Matt Williamson coming up from Scouts Inc. Okay. Love yapping with him, and uh, also along for the ride in here. Producer now, because, mm-hmm. of course, Necktie Milner, Necktie yeah. is working on the fantasy show, so he's right. very busy. We don't know how often during the season he's going to be around, so I guess his interim guy for now, and we'll see how it goes. We now yeah. have the guy who you listen to us. We did three shows from Canton last week. We were out right. there for the Hall of Fame induction. We weren't just vacationing. It just oh, it, no, no. It didn't just so no, happen. Was, that yeah. We went out when there. When your boss is there with you, yes, it's not a vacation. <laughs> No, our boss was not there. Uh, my boss was there. Who's that? You. All right. Here we go. So, all right. Well, I, uh, listen, I like to consider us, uh, you know, peers. Kind of <laughs> pseudo-peers. Because uh, my name's on the show? No, it's... Uh, my name, I was photographed with Marcus Allen on the NFL.com no, home page. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. But so that's, outside of those That instances. has more to do with the fact that you look like King Kong Bundy than anything <laughs> else. We don't want to repel potential listeners. So... Anyway, so part of uh, part of that trip out to Canton, we stopped at uh, Primanti's and uh, on our way into to, we, the, the delicious sandwich joint in Pittsburgh on our way to Canton. And along for the ride with us uh, was uh, was David Benheim. And he got us lost quite a bit and, and everything <laughs> on our way over there. You've heard him on the show before. He filled in a few weeks back when uh, when Necktie Milner was off in uh, in Gay Paris on, on, <laughs> on, on Independence Day. Yes, the, the the day of celebration of the red, white, and blue. He was off in uh, in Paris. Mister, I hate America was I guess out there. So. so we have now instead of Necktie. We have another corporate suit in here, but <laughs> Benheim doesn't really cut the corporate figure. No. I don't think so much. He's got no. he's got longish hair and a beard. He looks like a downright hippie. I think we need to call him. Uh, to, let me lay this one on you, okay. Rank. See if you like this uh, neck tie dye. <laughs> he looks Perfect. like a hippie. Neck tie dye. So let's go with that. So neck tie dye. Welcome to the show. We'll see how long it lasts. Mind your p's and q's, and uh, you're off to a good start. With uh, getting us Matt Williams. Don't hang your head here, fella. Um, And uh, also rank. So with these preseason games again, I don't want to be a wet blanket with it. But um, uh, whatever. These what what it makes me think of is what are the real games and when do they start? And so you tweeted out a little while ago. uh, By the way, at Twitter uh, at Damashek on Twitter and at Adam Rank. Rank, you tweeted out a question: What game? Would you most like to see now? I'm looking forward to 28 days from today, the New Orleans Saints at the Green Bay Packers. Right, a dandy game, but always trying to improve. It's great, but could it be even better? That's yep. about as good a game as I can think of. But you tweeted out uh, to listeners uh, to the Czech Republic people asking uh, asking the question: What is the optimal matchup for that Week One for that Thursday night game that you'd like to see? We'll get to that okay. in just a minute here, and uh, but let's talk about the fantasy show real quick. Uh, NFL.com, obviously, sign up to play your fantasy there, and uh, I, I do have to say a couple reviews that I've gotten. Mo Damashek, my mother, mm-hmm. big fan of Adam Ranks. Wow, yeah, yeah. She now for the record, I thought she was going to come meet us at Primanti's. No, so listen. Here's what. what here, let me just tell you that she shockingly, as soon as the show ended, uh, the telephone rang. It was it was uh, her and the old man calling, <laughs> and uh, shockingly, they thought I was the best one on the show. Well, that's, my parents, uh, my parents thought I was the best one. That's uh, I, I couldn't I believe agree. it. My jaw dropped when I heard that they thought, and and they also thought I looked the best. 
So well, yeah. Now, they I'm not going to say it was not Mo, it was not Mo Damashek, but another person on the inside mm-hmm. who saw the show. Right. They, they said, you know, Mo Damashek said that Adam Rank is delightful. Well, that's he's, nice. he, he's delightful. Is he as nice as he seems? That that sort of thing. Like, yeah, no, he's a Hollywood phony. He's, a, <laughs> he's on the podcast with me every week, but uh, no, I don't know how he dupes you and the rest of the world. So, but uh, but there was another comment that your suit was no good. You had a what? brown suit, a three button job. That's my favorite. You looked a little like uh, Mark Schlereth, you know, wearing, wearing a suit from 1997. Is it or my King Kong Bundy cut not doing it? Yeah, no. Well, I think the suit you, needs to go. You know what the problem is, and this needs to be brought up. It's Unless you're George Clooney and Matt Damon in the remake of Ocean's Eleven, the suit with a dress shirt and no tie does not look good on I, anybody. I'm with you. You're, you're preaching to the choir. Is it a thing? Like, if I had a tie, do you think it looks better? Like, no. It's still not a good suit. It's it, still a terrible it's not suit. A good, yeah, no. It's not a good suit for, for 2011. Like, what ha- Like what? What are they saying about Don us? Draper happened. Don Draper and Mad Men happened, and everybody went back to that early 60s look. You've got to get the the two-button jacket, the thinner tie. Well, I guess we're not wearing ties, but that's what you need, a, a, Why a thinner cut. Though? I don't know. I Listen, I don't know. It's, I guess the idea is, is that fantasy, more casual, or, or I, I'm not sure I get it. No, it makes just... me feel like we're on the JV. Are we, are we not talking ball? We're, t- we're talking ball. Talking ball. Yeah, we saw Pat Kerwin and uh, Tim Ryan over there in Canton, the, I... the hosts of uh, <laughs> of uh, the the serious show, and we love listening to them talk ball. Cause talking like, ball. Because that's what they say. Tim Ryan, he asks a question. He'll say, like, uh, hey, uh, Tony Romo is the QB of the Cowboys. Talk about it. Talk about it. That's what he says to whoever he's interviewing. And so uh, you you think Tim Ryan? I You know what? I ran into him at the uh, Cleveland airport, and I would never pretend that I am somebody of importance, and I will never overestimate my place in the world. I don't think you could pull it off if you did pretend. (laughs) Exactly. But I swear to goodness, Tim Ryan was IFing me for a good five minutes. (laughs) Talk about it. Talk about it. I think he. I don't think he wanted to talk about it. I think he wanted to strangle me. Well, while we're so we were in the press box during the ceremony, the speeches mm-hmm. and everything else. People have talked about uh, Shannon Sharp's speech, prime times, and, and beyond. Sure. And uh, we were up there watching it. And afterwards, after the ceremony, we uh, you know neck tie dye. We mm-hmm. ask him, "Hey, neck tie dye, where were you? Where for the whole thing? Why were you up in the press box?" And he says. Hey, we we were uh, backstage. We were backstage, and I said, "What? Ha- what do you mean backstage?" <laughs> oh yeah, all the players were there. He's now uh, Nick Tidey is uh, a Miami native, and so he's a big Danny Marino fan, and oh, yeah. he and uh, apparently got Danny Marino's autograph. Kudos, I say. Kudos, I say to you. Did you get Marino's autograph? Get autographs working for the NFL. Oh yeah, so so yeah, you didn't. Uh, you didn't get. You, he didn't get Danny Marino's autograph, but then he also didn't get Jack Youngblood's autograph from the L.A. Rams. He didn't get Jack Youngblood's, and 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 so you had a football that wasn't signed by Danny Marino, and another football that wasn't signed by Jack Youngblood. So I said. It's fine to get your favorite or not get your favorite player's autograph from my from the Miami Dolphins. Why would you get Jack Youngblood's and not get one for one Adam Rank who loved the L.A. Rams growing up? Talk about it. Talk about it. It was supposed to be a birthday present. I was trying to hide it. But it just... <laughs> you creep. <laughs>
That's I think I think your people, uh, the the tie dyed sort, the hippies. I think they call that bogarting. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're bogarting the autograph there, neck tie dye, and that's no way to ingratiate yourself to uh, to your new boss. Adam <laughs> well, I'm glad that they didn't have a Jack Youngblood autograph football because I would hate to imagine some. 20-year-old interns tossing that ball around in the video control room <laughs> on Wednesday. Um, all right, so number 16, before we get to Matt Williamson, episode 16 here of the uh, of the program. Of course, as always, you can, uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. I've been told these are the things that you need to do. Okay. You need to subscribe, you need to rate it, and you mm-hmm. need to comment on it. We appreciate mm-hmm. it if you can. Uh, Even if, if it's do... about my suit. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, yeah, weigh in on uh, the brown suit. So I got to go back to three-day shoot broker and say this isn't good enough. Well, according, you know I'm not, cool? not going to sell anyone out, but yes, the suit. I, I happen to agree that the suit's no good. No, no, no. It's fine. It would be nice if we had a sponsor call in and be like, you know what? Come in and I'll suit you up. That's not a bad call. No, you it looks like the suit, now that I think about it, when Magic retired from the <laughs> Lakers and he wore that brown no, suit, that's what no, it looked like. No, no. You remember that? When Magic yeah, I he had the suit and he, and he actually was yes, able to, under the white hot lights, he pitted out the suit. He yeah, literally did. I remember. That's what you look like. I remember you get that the day. flop sweats, too. That was a very... Uh, no, not the day he retired. I'm saying the day they had the ceremony at, oh, the, at the forum okay. for him. No, I'm okay. not talking about the day he had his press conference <laughs> and announced that, uh, that he was ill. So, all right. Now, um, we'll get to Williamson in just a second here. But number 16, we honor the episode number with the player who wore that number best. Uh, it, you know, pretty easy one here. Joe Montana when we're mm-hmm. talking NFL uh, players. Also, though, By Jim Plunkett, way. Lenny Dawson. Lenny Dawson offered up the number 16 when Montana reti- or when Montana came to the Chiefs. Montana being the gentleman that he is. He said, I'll turn it upside no, down. I'll wear number 19. I won't make you pull that number off the rafters or that, out of the rafters. That's a classy move. That's a very classy move. I like that. Jerry Rice, uh, did Jerry not Rice do didn't do nope. that. Take I'll take White. 80. Remember? And then he went to the Broncos and he kind of threw kind of a fit because Rod, Rod, Rod Smith, Smith yeah. wouldn't give it up. Like no, I've been here for twenty years. Why would you're not, you're not even going to make the team? Why would I give it up for you? It sounds like a great number, but also let's keep in mind that uh, the likes of um, uh, Mark Malone wore it mm. for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Scott Pelour wore it for the Dallas Cowboys. Who else? There have been some real. Uh, but three Hall stinkers. of Fame Did Mike Pagel wear it? Is that right? Mike Pagel for the uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. I, I feel like he maybe wore sixteen. Baseball. You had Whitey Ford. Um, Puck. I don't, I, Wait, I, Bo Jackson. Bo. Is that what Bo wore? With the Royals. Boy, people talk about prime time. As, as the, it seems like <laughs> Bo is a little bit pushed down already in 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 history by prime time being the two-sport athlete, but Bo was the real deal. Right. Bo, Bo was the far superior He was a real baseball player. player, and he was a real football player. Yes. Um, but uh, hockey. Hockey. Hawk. I was going to call it Puck. <laughs> it was something in between Puck and hockey, so I just called it Hawk. But... Hockey, that's a rich position at number 16. Marcel Dion, Brett Hall, Henri Richard, Patty LaFontaine, Trevor Linden, Michel Goulet, and the list goes on. You said Marcel Dion. I did say. Triple Clown. Triple Crown line. Yeah. Name the other two. Uh, Charlie Simmers and uh, Davey Davey Taylor. Ugh. Charlie Simmers. Chaz Simmer wore it. Number 16. 
Good try though. You're a you're a SoCal guy. <laughs> you're not expected to know your puck, even though that's your your local hockey team. Hey, uh, we wrote on NFL.com on the instant debate. The question for Thursday was, um, what game are you most excited about seeing this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, of uh, that involves a player returning to his old team, to his old town to play a game. Steve Smith, of course, now an Eagle. That is just getting ridiculous what the Eagles are doing. How do they – I mean, Steve Smith is almost an afterthought that he's – that. Well, yeah, Steve Smith will be the the number three wide receiver. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, the best receiver on the Giants, your division foe, <laughs> is now is now your number three wide receiver. It's Loco, Ronnie Brown. Ronnie Brown was the feature back on a run first team for the last couple of years. He's their third down back. Yeah, he'll back up Shady McCoy. Yeah, he'll just yeah. go in there on third downs. And yeah, De- Deion Lewis, the uh, the kid out of pit, another nice running. But yeah, he'll be our number three. He won't ever even touch the field. We're so loaded. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's it's going to be an insane year. I mean, if if they go anything less than sixteen and zero, is it a disappointment? Yeah, pretty much. I think that's what we have to establish. It's always good. That's the way you want to do it. You want to make it. You want to make Eagles fans feel bad about things. <laughs> it's the same thing as the Patriots. Hey, I mean, if they don't win every single game and win the Super Bowl seventy eight to zero, then right. then the season's a disappointment. <laughs> I like that. That, that. It was like when the Red Sox started this year, and they were. Hey, is this the first team to go 162 and 0? Yeah, and uh, so <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I but so uh, my answer was, and yours too, rank was Jay Cutler going back to Denver oh, yeah. because it's Week 13 in December. That game is going to be an apocalypse for people who like quarterbacks. I think poor. Denver fans, it really is going to be like they're the Scrooge being visited by the ghosts. You know, the the ghost of of uh, football past was Jay Cutler. He basically started this whole unwinding of a perennially good football team when right. when, when he basically forced a trade away from there. Now he's going to come in, and that team, that Bears team, hear me now. Here's a bold prediction out of Damashek. Okay. That Bears team's going to stink. Why? First of all, it's a fra- the chemistry has to be fragile. Oh, I don't oh. care what Olin Krutz, who's now gone, who was a glue guy, and uh, and uh, Brian Erlacher said, there have to be some guys in that locker room who have been told, keep your keep your yap shut about Jay Cutler's behavior in the NFC Championship. Right. But uh, listen. Gay sales, Gail Sayers didn't. Well, Gail said, oh, by the way, that was another good one from Neck Tie-Dye. Yeah, how about <laughs> this? There's a little side note. There's a little side note. We interviewed... For 25 minutes in Canton, the great Gale Sayers. I know, I know Neck Tie-Dye doesn't know who he is, but he's, he's one of the five or six or seven greatest running backs of all time. If he had stayed healthy, maybe he would have gone down as the greatest running back of all time. 20 or 25 minutes, during which time we talked about food in Chicago, which was a, which was a fun the conversation. Light, yes. yeah. And then we also talked about that he liked to go down the street a few blocks down the street from where he lives to uh, to Soldier Field, and he watched that NFC title game, and he and he basically ripped Jay Cutler. He did yeah. not approve of that, like no. most of the world didn't. But what was interesting was uh, we recorded that whole interview, and mm-hmm. then uh, well, soon when's after, available? We, said, we said, necktie, uh, necktie, uh, let's get that thing up, and it uh, turned out that uh, it, it, they lost it. What? They lost the file. They lost the... the so that wasn't on anywhere. No, it didn't. So it was like my so contribution said, to the Marcus Allen interview. My nowhere to be found. I so I say so I say the neck tie dye. Well, don't worry about losing it. We'll just get Gail Sayers again next week. <laughs> and neck tie dye's response was, "How are you going to get him again?" I said, "I'm not. We're not getting him ever again. That's the point. You just lost a once in a lifetime opportunity." <laughs> so, don't you have a Gail Sayers card on your cube? I love Gail Sayers. Oh, oh so you why know did you hate him so much to lose the interview? <laughs> Silence. All right, listen. So. 
I, but I think so. And and Kyle Orton may or may not be fine, but that that team is going to be lousy, so he's not going to be the savior. And so by that point in week 13, Tim Tebow will be out there proving that he is not worthy of ever being an NFL starting QB. He's uh, he's an abject bust. I don't care how popular a personality he is. He's not uh, practically good enough to be an NFL quarterback. Underwear I, model, I'm sure. Dev- I want to ask, uh, that's definitely something we'll get into with Williamson, his thoughts on, on Tebow. But um, that Bears team, th- this is a team that I'm assuming some people regard as a contender once again. They, after all, hosted the title game last year. But they're going to be 0-3. Their season starts with Atlanta, then at New Orleans, and then Green Bay. That's 0-3. And yeah. once they're 0-3, and then you mix in the questions about what does teammates think of him after last year's collapse and everything. I think this is I think this is going to be a toxic, nasty year in uh, in Chicago, especially with the Lions on the rise. I don't know how Minnesota is going to be, and then of course Green Bay is arguably the best team there is. This is a this is a a, a recipe for disaster for Cutler and company. Bears no better than third place. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, yeah, I, th- I think I agree with that. And another team that isn't a Super Bowl contender or anything, but people are talking about the Rams and they've made some decent additions. Mike Sims Walker to help uh, Bradford mm-hmm. out. And uh, of course, yeah, the, the ever underappreciated uh, Steven Jackson defense is coming along, so on and so forth. But that's another team that's going to be 0-3. How do they start the year? They have a brutal ride, too. They play Baltimore, which Philadelphia's is... Philadelphia's in there. Philadelphia, obviously, is going to beat them. I think that's their week one game, isn't it? They play, yeah, they have Philadelphia week one. Then uh, Baltimore, I believe, is week three, and then they have another tough one in there. Oh, then they're at the Giants in week two. Ooh, yeah. I mean, they, they're going to be zero and three too. So I, once you're zero and three, as you always see uh, the stats say, well, teams that start zero and three don't make the playoffs very. But if often. they go two and one or something crazy like that. That's well, the Jets actually. That's what helped them was that they had such a, a an awful schedule to start the season, and I remember. You know, I think even Rex Ryan said if they can get through this at two and two or three and one, they're mm-hmm. you know they're, they're, the 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 sky's the limit, and they did th- do that. But I don't think either one of those teams is going to do. I think that's zero and three staring both of those teams in the uh, in the face. Um, so all right, listen, let's talk. We'll talk about the games that we're excited about on the regular season schedule, or at least the game we'd love to most uh, we'd most love to see um, start the season off. But right now, let's uh, get to our fella Matt Williamson. <laughs> Dave, Dave. All right, Ray. Here's a guy, an old pal of mine from mm-hmm. uh, from my ESPN podcast. He was a regular on that. Always loved kibitzing about uh, the pigskin with him. Former scout of the Cleveland Browns. Now you can check out his work on ESPN.com from Scouts Inc. Also uh, one of the hosts of Football Today on ESPN.com. Matt Williamson, what's going down, fella? Hey, Dave, how you doing, buddy? Just hanging in my uh, Pittsburgh home, you know, getting ready for tonight. Big games. I know. It's it, it's nice to finally have football back. But Rank and I have been talking about the fact that preseason, it's exciting. You know, we, we didn't know if there were, we were going to see any preseason games. We didn't know if we were going to see any regular season games. But it's still going to be four minutes into the to the first game. We're going to be like, oh yeah, this this counts for nothing. Let's get to the kickoff already. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying that. I was like, it, it, it's so easy to overreact, especially for that first wave of preseason games because you're you're watching every snap and boy, how's that guy do? Oh, Philip Rivers missed that pass. Maybe he's not going to be good this year. You know, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just something you have to hold back a little and say, you know, this is just a the preseason. These guys haven't played together. They haven't worn pads in a while. You know, and let, let's give it a break. It, it, 
it is exciting to see, but let's just you know hold it hold it back a little. Well, yeah, and um, it's sort of like watching, I guess, if you're a a fan and aficionado like Rank is of uh, figure skating. It's kind of like when you watch figure skating, all you're watching for is to see them not fall down, or maybe if you're if you're evil, you're rooting for them to fall down. Yeah. Uh, if you're watching your team, all you're rooting for is don't get hurt, don't get hurt, yep. don't get hurt. That's basically what you do through the preseason, right? Yeah, I mean, it seems like you know if you're rooting for your stellars, you know, you kind of look like let's get Ben out of there, let's not let's keep him keep him clean, let's get Paul and Malu out of there. <laughs> but then you want to see you know those rookies though too. You know what's Hayward doing this year? You know I want to see him in the black and gold and what he looks like. You know, and so I think there's a lot of that out there too. Let's see what the new faces look like in the pads and, and out there in the scheme. Yeah, I, I agree with that part. That is the uh, the pleasure of uh, of preseason. By the way, make sure you follow uh, Matt. Always uh, good stuff on uh, when uh, when it comes to talking NFL football. Matt Williamson NFL uh, on Twitter. That's yeah, Williamson a- NFL. I'm really active on there. It's a lot of fun and yeah. Um, so, all right, let's kibitz about uh, a bunch of different things that uh, people are yammering about the, these uh, here in August. First of all, um, Tebow, obviously, that is the big story in Denver and uh, a lot of noise being made by uh, Merrill Hodge a week or two ago saying that he's just never going to be a great pro. I happen mm. to agree with that. I mean, that that he looks more like Tom Seaver throwing a ball <laughs> than he does uh, an NFL quarterback with that huge windup. But you still have – there's Brady Quinn, there's Matt Leinart, there's Vince Young, there's Rex Grossman. As it, It's something that goes on year after year, this conversation about first-round busts and what a crapshoot it is with QBs. Is, it, is there any name that I just said there that – you think still has something to, that still has a chance of making it as a legit NFL QB? I agree with you, and I agree with Merrill in terms of Tebow. I'm not a fan at all. I, I've said that before he was even picked. I thought that was way too early. Those names you mentioned, Vince Young still intrigues me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've been saying, honestly, I called this one a long time ago, but this is the perfect place for him to go. You know, not only is Andy Reid have a great track record at getting the most out of, of everyone's physical talents at that position, but amazingly enough, I think he can go into the locker room and look up to Michael Vick and say, hey, I mean, his career was a lot worse lost, a lot worse of a state than, than Vince Young's is. And, you know, Young has all the talent in the world around him. Yeah, I have pretty good faith that he's going to get in the game at some point. I don't expect Vic to, you know, play 16. Yep. So I think he's going to show some people what he can do. I don't love him, but for the situation he's in, that might, you know, pull his career out of the dumpster. What do you think, though, about guys like, I think two guys that I have a, a little bit of pity for, Matt Leinert and Brady Quinn. These guys were first-round draft picks, and I think that universally everybody has decided neither one of them has any chance of making it. From what you've seen, you've looked at these guys, you've scouted them. Do you see anything in them that makes you think that they do, that, that, that maybe if they got in the right situation that they might take off? No. my thing with Leinert is everything he does is too slow at this level I mean his drop from center his release the way he processes information the way it comes out of his hand he doesn't have a big arm that's fine at USC when you have first round picks all around you and you can take your time but he just doesn't do anything quickly enough he plays the game too slow and he doesn't really have the physical capabilities to overcome that from delivering the ball standpoint. Quinn, I think Quinn has more ability than Leinart, but Quinn is 
a coward to me in in terms of he doesn't push the ball down the field. He just dumps everything off and doesn't take any chances. And that can change, I suppose. But wow, he's got a long way to go. He's he's shown me nothing behind center at the NFL level. It's weird though. How does Matt Leinart? You can see that it's the eyeball test, and with all the with the combine and the the various uh, little tests that these guys are put through. How was it not collectively and universally decided when Matt Leinart was being looked at that, oh, well, clearly he's just too slow and doesn't have a big enough arm? How did a team end up using a pick that high on him? Yeah, and very few were critical at the time. I mean, it's easy for us to sit back now and criticize the Raiders even for taking Jamarcus Russell first overall, but none of the experts criticized it at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, same with the liner pick. It obviously is a very inexact science, and the guy was a Heisman winner. I mean, he was a great college football player, so mm-hmm. you know, we saw him on TV every week, USC you know, winning national championships, winning Heismans. I think it was easy to say, okay, he's got it. Well, that it thing's a little overrated, too. Well, I don't think they have any more national championships or Heisman's at USC. I think they had to give all those back. <laughs> I don't know what you're referring to. Yes, Williams. <laughs> no, that really didn't happen. <laughs> One quarterback I'm looking forward to see get started here. He didn't get a lot of. He didn't get much of a chance in Philadelphia before he, you know, got hurt in the first week. Kevin Cobb in Arizona. A lot of stock being put into this guy in a very small sample size. So Cobb in Arizona, talk about it. Obvious upgrade. I mean, they were playing with the three of us at quarterback last year, I mean, and that's a problem, <laughs> clearly. You know, and one thing that Kurt Warner's departure really showed us was that's a bad offensive line, and that worries me for Cobb, too, because I look at him right now as a young player with upside. I can't be critical of them going out and getting him because I think he has a chance to develop and do a solid starter. I don't think he's going to go to a lot of Pro Bowls. I don't think he'll be elite. But as it stands right now, he needs his conditions around him to be – Favorable, You know, when the play breaks down, he's not going to make a lot happen. He's not Josh Freeman. He's not Ben Roethlisberger by any stretch. He can't overwhelm, over, overwhelm you physically and make that throw and go, wow. But if the play goes to script, you know, the, the, the foot hits a, a five-step drop, his back foot hits, it comes out, boom. He can make those throws. He can, you know, execute the offense quickly. But the improvisational skills, they all scare me. Uh, I, I don't love the guy, but I can see why they would make that move. And the other aspect of that trade that nobody really talks about is what they're doing is their defensive coordinator was a defensive backs coach from the Steelers. So mm-hmm. they wanted to install a Steeler-type 3-4 defense, and obviously that's the Steelers of the West with Wiz and Grimm and those guys. Well, DRC doesn't fit the Steelers' system at all. I mean, he's a total finesse man-to-man, slender, doesn't want to you know, insert himself as a tackler at all, where the Steelers play off coverage. They want their corners to come downhill and, t- and attack, be hitters in the run game, don't let anything behind them, but you're not going to play a lot of tight man, and they're not you know, high-profile you know, high guys. So losing Rodgers Cromartie looks big on paper, but he doesn't fit what they're trying to do anymore. Yeah, because the average fan, that seemed like a, a huge deal because they have Patrick Peterson – Dominic Rogers Camardi, it seemed like a dream tandem to put there in Arizona. Right, right. Where in reality, if you look at the Steeler model, they don't use a lot of money at that position. You know, I think mm-hmm. Peterson's going to be their Rod Woods and Charles Woodson. I think they'll use him all over the place. I think he'll do a lot of what you see from Charles Woodson in Green Bay. You know, he was just too good of a talent to pass up, and it also allowed him to move Rodgers Cromartie because I think they had an idea that Philly needed a corner, which they obviously did. So let's get strong at that position so we can land our quarterback. Well, you know, we were uh, – I'm 
a little bit nervous. You mentioned the Steelers secondary. I'm uh, uh, after what we saw Aaron Rodgers do and what we've seen repeatedly Tom Brady do to that secondary. Ike Taylor and then a bunch of question marks. The Steelers are in trouble in the secondary, right? They are. And, of course, their pass rush makes a lot of problems go away. Uh, nobody runs on them. So, you know, they know the pass is coming. Their blitz schemes are hard to pick up. Um, and like I said, they don't give up very many big plays. You know, they, they play a lot of off coverage, uh, and they come up and tackle. So a really efficient quarterback gives them problems. That's the weakness of the Steelers team. That's how you beat their great defense. Well, you know, Tom Brady always has big games against the Steelers. Aaron Rodgers had a big game against the Steelers. And those guys have big games against everybody, though. You know, people hate to hear that in town here, but I'm on the radio a lot on 970, and they were asking me the same questions of, well, what do they do in the secondary? Well, you can't have everything. And their formula for corners, they use fourth, fifth-round picks on corners every year, and they play special teams for a year or two. They make their bones. Eventually they get in the game. Just don't embarrass yourself out there. Don't get beat deep. Keep everything in front of you. And, of course, when Paul Amalu's not healthy, the whole secondary crumbles. Well, speaking of that, uh, that's something I've really learned from insiders, guys who really dig into the X's and O's. Gil Brandt, Pat Kerwin, I'm interested in your opinion on this, too. And they point to Troy Polamalu as one of, if not the most overrated guy in the NFL. They say he is easy to dupe. If you get him in in uh, one-on-one coverage, he's going to be burned almost every time. What do you think about Polamalu? I think he is overrated, but I think he's very, very special, too. I can't really share those sentiments. I mean, I would not have voted him as a defense player of the year. Actually, I would have voted for Harrison, his teammate. He just misses too much time. You know, there's yes, if you get him in single coverage against a wide receiver, he can be duped. Yes, but so does every strong safety. Most strong safeties have no chance in the world of keeping up with wide receivers. Where Troy is the ultimate playmaker, he can do everything asked of him. He plays the run. He is incredible in pursuit. He has amazing hands for the interception. He makes big plays in timely manners. He's great with the ball in his hands. He's a decent tackler, a little bit of an overrated tackler. He can duck his head at times and miss. But you can play just about any coverage with him. So I don't entirely agree, but I do agree he's a little overrated when you're talking about the best players in the league just because we don't see enough of them. Mm-hmm. And since we're talking about overrated, let's talk a little Peyton Manning right now because one of the things that we always talk about in here, we talk about Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is a good quarterback. He's a great quarterback. Not one of the ten – not – the top, not the eighth best player of all time, but one of the peop- one of the things that the the Colts defenders or the Peyton Manning defenders always say is that the Colts have a lack of talent. Like they're just throwing you know Division three scrubs out there and stuff. What is a, a scout's take? Do the Colts have actual talent? What's going on there? My take of Manning this year, and for the most part, I'm a Manning supporter. I know you guys aren't real big on the guy. How I don't think dare he's, you. I don't think he's the eighth best player that's ever lived, but. I think he's pretty special. I mean, I think he's one of the six elite quarterbacks in the game. I think he's one of the best players in football for the last 10 years or whatever. I don't stand alone in that opinion. But one thing I think you really need to talk about with Manning this past year, Manning's greatest asset is his mind. 
his ability to get his team into favorable plays depending on what the defense gives him. And this past year, he was really unable to do that for a lot of the stretch because their running game was so abysmal. Their offensive line is flat-out poor, and he makes them look good in protection because of his ability to read the rush, get the ball out. I mean, if it was the three of us and your two producers, he still wouldn't get sacked as much as Roethlisberger. So he has wonderful abilities to make his protection look better. But that offensive line was a major, major problem, and they couldn't run the football with any kind of consistency. So whenever he comes to the line and he's doing all his gestures and doing all those things and he's reading what's happening, I don't think he had any confidence to go to the run. So everyone kind of knew what was coming, and so that it makes him play one-handed in a way. If he can't use his mental acumen, then that's a real problem. And the other thing that really hurt them last year, too, was Dallas Clark being out because Dallas Clark – there's a handful of guys in the league, Aaron Hernandez, Dallas Clark, Reggie Bush, that play two positions. You know, Dallas Clark is equal parts wide receiver and tight end. So if you come out in base personnel against their one back, two tight end sets, well, they just take Dallas Clark, motion him out, and they're going to get him against the linebacker. If you play nickel, they keep him tight and they run the ball against you know, lighter defensive personnel. Without him around and without a running game, I felt like Manning had to play – you know, left-handed in a way. And, and, oh, by the way, I do think his skills are starting to slightly decline. What? By the way, the, the, the thing with Manning is, too, that everybody points to, like you just did, is, hey, listen, he, he's, he's a coach out on the field because he can basically read the defense and he calls the plays out there. Yeah, guess what? Until about 20 years ago, every NFL QB called his own plays. <laughs> Terry Bradshaw did it and won Jim four Plunkett Super Bowls. It. it can't be that hard if Terry Bradshaw did it to four <laughs> Super Bowls, right? Speaking of QBs, so let's stay with these guys. Matt Castle seems to me to have a group of guys around him that are good enough to go to the Super Bowl. The question is, can he take them there? I think that offense is about as at the skill positions as loaded as any in the entire league, including even Philadelphia, as loaded as they are now. And their defense is is aggressive and young. It, it, Castle is obviously the linchpin, is the QB is for most teams. Do you think he can get them over the hump? Yeah, I'm with you. And, and frankly, I give that front office a ton of credit. I think they very much have a handle on their quarterback situation. Hey, we used a second-round pick to get Castle. We know who he is. He's never going to be Tom Brady. He's never going to be one of those elite six quarterbacks that I talked about. So what do we do? You know, we have to surround him. We have to make his life as absolute easy as possible to give us a chance to win. We're going to run the football a lot with a two-headed running attack. And, oh, by the way, you know, Jamal Charles develops as a stud. And, you know, they've done a great job this year of surrounding him with very good skill position players. I still have my doubts that Castle can, you know, get, get him past that AFC championship barrier. I mean, they win a playoff game or two, but it's still the best chance they have going. I mean, when Charles got hurt, that, that's something that doesn't get talked about enough either. In that Ravens playoff game, Jamal Charles got dinged up, and whenever he became a non-factor, everything went on, on Castle's shoulders, and he was incapable of handling it. But I think he'll get better at it. He's still young. And one thing that's really interesting about this offense, and it's very Patriot-like, if you look at, the, at their, their skill position players, it's a really interesting spectrum. If you go from big to small of pass catchers, you go Moiaki to Baldwin to Bo to Breston 
to Charles to McCluster, where a guy like McCluster couldn't be any different than a Baldwin or a Moyaki. They can attack you now on a week-to-week basis in so many different ways, which is exactly what the Patriots do. Look at the Patriots' tight ends, the Patriots' running backs. I mean, Danny Woodhead is nothing like Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, and Aaron Hernandez was nothing like an Algie Crumpler type. So they want a lot of different skill sets at their skill positions, and it's going to pay off for them. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, at the either end of the spectrum you just mentioned, I think McCluster, people forgot about him, and coming mm-hmm. out, of, uh, out of Ole Miss, people were really high on him. He was hurt the vast majority of the year. Imagine what he might be able to do. He could be sort of a poor man's Reggie Bush, and then John Baldwin is a guy who I keep talking about as a poor man's Randy Moss, his rookie season in Minnesota. Basically, all they have to ask him to do with Breston and uh, Dwayne Bowe, and look at what Dwayne Bowe did with the second-best receiver on that team last year, being Chris Chambers and the year he had. Now he has a legitimate number two in Breston, and Baldwin is only going to be asked to stretch the field, right? Run as fast and as far downfield as possible and take uh, two guys in the secondary with you. Yeah, yeah, and he still might go up and get the football because he's Mm -hmm. 6'5 with unbelievable skills, and you don't have to – you can bring him along slowly. He doesn't have to be – a real precision Derek Mason type route runner. That's not what he's going to do, like you said. And, and McCluster is the same thing too. Is he's still very talented. He was an early second round pick that they just a year ago were in love with. I don't know that he can, you know, handle the rigors of, of the position. But they have so many other guys. He doesn't need a lot of touches to be effective. He can be a Reggie Bush type. I think he could be a Welker-type slot guy, too. So, yeah, they have a ton of options at their disposal. And just about 15 minutes ago, they went out and signed Jared Gaither, who is as talented as any left tackle in this entire league. If he's healthy and motivated, their offensive line now has the final piece where you could put Gaither at left tackle, move Albert over to the right side or to guard, and then you really have something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and let's talk now about Joe Flacco, who uh, surely has a chip on his shoulder. He was so criticized. Um, I, I'm, so, I'm sort of surprised, as a matter of fact, that he's taken as many shots as he has, but uh, because it was really his receivers who dropped the ball in that uh, game against Pittsburgh that uh, that cost the Ravens the game. But going into this year now, my question is, I like, obviously, the defense is going to be good again, and I, Ray Rice, is. it looks like he's ready to go for a big season, but... I look around and suddenly I don't know that he has any weapons really. He has a couple of slower, I mean, big name guys in Hushmanzad and Bolden, but slower guys. And now the unknown Tory Smith coming in. What, what do you think uh, about uh, Flacco's prospects for having a big year? I mean, I think Ozzie Newsom's about as good as any GM in this league, and he has a wealth of very young talent at tight end and wide receiver coming up. But I don't think they did Flacco any services. You know, I, I've called Derek Mason his whoopee for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's absolutely uh, the guy he's leaned on to, to a fault, to be honest with you. Too much he's looked at Derek Mason. You take him out of the equation, you take Heap out of the equation, and you really don't replace them with anybody. You expect all these young guys to step up. Uh, I think that's putting too much faith in Flacco, honestly. And, and to be... To be candid, I mean, he's one of the people in the league, even though I'm sitting here in Pittsburgh, that I root for the most is because, uh, in a way, I sort of discovered him when I was a Pitt. I mean, he was not a big recruit, and that's what I did at the University of Pittsburgh is I watched all the recruiting tape, and I went to Walt Harris and said, we need to look at this guy. He can sling it. We brought him to Pitt. He's a great kid. He left because he didn't get a chance to start. So I root for him, but I'm not, you know, a huge fan. I don't think that he's – 
And I think he's slightly overrated, too. I don't think he deals with pressure very well, which is a huge problem when your biggest rival is the Steelers. I don't think he's ready to elevate the game of all those around him. And I think he's got a lot of tools, but you've got to remember, I mean, he's coming from Delaware, and he's still young. It's, it's not there yet. You know, I, I look at the quarterbacks in this league, and I mentioned earlier, I think there's six elite guys. And then I think there's eight or nine guys that I would call franchise quarterbacks. You know, Romo, Vic, Eli Manning, you know, a handful of Matt Ryan. And I think Flacco's right on the outside looking into that group. And that's not quite good enough. Of the Flacco, Ryan, Sanchez, of those guys, who's, who's the best? Who's the farthest along? Sanchez is last. I'll tell you what, I'm not a Sanchez guy at all. Uh, I give him credit that he's played very well in his biggest games. That's the best thing I can say about him, and that's a great thing to say about a quarterback. Mm -hmm. But I have huge questions about Sanchez. I'm a big believer in Matt Ryan. I think he's exceptional. If you do the quarterback rankings, again, those six elite ones, Ryan would be next to me. I think he's the seventh best quarterback in football right now. And he's very poised to take a big, big step up. I think we'll see a lot more spread, You know, a lot more – um, three, three, four wide receiver sets there now with the addition of Julio Jones. They're going to be a lot more difficult to prepare for, and Ryan can handle it mentally. I mean, of those three, I think that it's, it's very easy to say Ryan, then Flacco, then Sanchez. And uh, just out of curiosity, it was Tyler Palco that beat uh, Joe yeah. Flacco out for the starting gig, right? It was, and he was a good, you know, pick quarterback. Yeah. Uh, last question for you is uh, the running back situation in Dallas. Um, what do you think about Felix Jones? Is, is it really the intention of the Cowboys to make him their every down back? I don't think that's a good idea either. And I was really critical of him, them, whomever a year ago for putting on all that weight. Uh, you know, he, he added a, you know, some weight to come into camp to handle the pounding and I'm going to be durable now. I don't, generally, that doesn't work for running backs. I think you kind of have to be who you are. I don't think you have to you know, make your body into something that isn't naturally going to be. And I didn't think he was nearly as quick, explosive, frightening because of it. And so, in turn, he really shouldn't be the bell cow. But they have other guys. You know, you, you use a pick on Murray. I think Choice is a, a fine a quality backup. And for some reason, he's fallen out of favor with them, too. Um, I don't quite understand what they're doing with their running backs, but what about, I think what about they, the, um, go ahead. What about the kid out of Fresno State, Lene Miller? Yeah, I mean, he's fine. He was Ryan Matthews' backup in college, and you know, for 90% of the schools in the country he would have started for. But he's not special, and they, I know they're excited about him now. I mean, he's one of the guys that I'm pretty excited about to watch in these next couple of weeks or so and see if there's something there to get, you know, to be excited about. But for so far, from what I saw of him coming out of school, he had a very average skill set. He looked like a backup to me. And is it worth even talking? I mean, I, obviously, uh, on some level, it matters that Felix Jones is going to be there every down back. But more and more, I mean, Green Bay won the Super Bowl. And I think they ran I, – I, in total postseason rush attempts, I think, were four for the for – the, <laughs> does it even matter now who you throw in the backfield? It is so much a quarterback league at this point, right? Yeah, generally. You, you are 100% right. And if I was in charge of – Building a team or rebuilding a team, the last component I would absolutely invest in is a running back. I mean, if you put an average running back behind a great line or in a situation where there's a threatening passing game with a great quarterback, you're going to do really, really well. I mean, that, I mean it kind of goes back to the Colts a little bit, too. I think Joseph Adai is very average, and they've won a lot of games with players like him, you know. Yeah. 
So, you know, even New England, too, they won a ton of games with just a bunch of guys at running back and keep them fresh and keep them hungry and battling for playing time. And, yeah, I mean, yes, I'd love to have Adrian Peterson, but there's those kind of guys are very few and far between. And if you invest in them, they don't last very long. You know, they're just not a long, heavy shelf life for running backs. And you see, by the way, for anyone uh, within the sound of our voices right now, you can hear that Matt Williamson uh, knows the game and uh, how helpful that could be, not just in real football terms, but how it applies to fantasy. Williamson, you're willing to uh, attend people's fantasy drafts this year, right? <laughs> yeah, I threw it out there. I've been getting those requests hot and heavy the last couple of years. Or, hey, we'll give you a couple bucks to come down to our fantasy draft, and uh, we'll go from there. And the, so I threw it out there on Twitter the other day, and I got a bunch of responses. And I think a bunch of them were like, "Yeah, you know, we'll give you a pack, a six pack of iron to come down to." I'm <laughs> like, "Well, that's not I'm exactly in. what I'm after here, but I'm busy enough as it is. I don't know if any of those type of things will happen, but I am pretty active in fantasy, and it's a lot of fun." All right. Well, uh, like we say, uh, that uh, you can track him down. ESPN.com. Matt Williamson of uh, Scouts Inc. hosting the uh, the Football Today Show Monday and Thursday up until kickoff, and then they go five days a week. Is what you're five doing? Five days a week during the regular season. Yeah. Wow, rank. Can we keep up that sort of pace? Ooh. It's something to aspire to. It is. Re- and and one last question for you before we let you go. We flew into Canton last week, but actually we passed through uh, Pittsburgh, PA, nice. and uh, it was uh, the wee hours of the AM. But we did make a pit stop at Perman. Williamson, what is the correct answer to this question? What is the best meat to get on your Primanti sandwich? Ooh, kibasi with an egg, extra mm. red hot. Ooh. You always have to add the egg. That's a, yeah, the, yeah, well, especially if it's in the morning. You, the, it, it only makes sense to have an obviously. egg. Obviously, right. yeah, lots of red hot. I like your choice. It's not my choice. It's an unorthodox choice. With? I'm not going to buzz you. I'm not going to buzz you because that is, a, I, I like that. It's a cagey choice, the spicy kielbasa. <laughs> I, go, I go classic. I go uh, I go. Um, pastrami one, capicola two, and but yeah. you know what? I like I like the kielbasa choice. Good for you. Yeah, you can't argue with yours either. Not bad. All right, thank you, You're thank a you, vet Williamson. We will uh, will hopefully uh, track you down as the season, maybe before we uh, kick things off, or or certainly once things get underway. Always uh, insightful yapping with you, and love hearing that uh, that Berg accent to boot. Berg accent? I don't have a Berg accent. <laughs> I tell everybody I don't have one either, and yet every car. <laughs> yeah, go Steelers. Hey, you'll you see uh, Roethlisberger. Yeah, we'll go downtown and see Coach Carr. <laughs> okay, All right, guys. Go pump an iron. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. You're listening to Dave Damashek. You're listening to Dave Damashek. You're listening to Dave Damashek. Told you, Rank. Good fella, right? Great guy. Yeah. We need to have him on some more. Kielbasa. So what do you think now Now that you've had a chance to hear some different opinions? Kielbasa, pastrami? I stand by my choice. What was it again? Salami. Salami. Who do you think you are, though, to override <laughs> me and Williamson? Two Pittsburgh natives. You don't tell us. I tell you. Is that the way it works? That is the way it works, fella. So do I, when we go to, like, Wahoo's Fish Tacos, I can demand which way you have your... If that's, tacos and... if that's the cultural cornerstone of Southern California, then that's a shame. It might be. Oh, <laughs> Wahoo's God. fish tacos. Yuck. Do you not like Wahoo's fish tacos? They're fine. They're better versions of fish tacos in Southern California than Wahoo's. <laughs> For goodness sakes. No wonder your fan base, we have decided, by the way, your fan base is uh, 
going to be called Rank Amateurs. Okay. From now on. That was real called. nice. Yes. There's the Czech Republic. Since you ruined it before. And the Rank Amateurs. You right, ruined the poll previously. And that, and that uh, tie-dyes uh, following is yet to uh, – to ha- I think you have to have at least one supporter for you to have a following. They're so. on Fish Store right now. All right. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, how was the fish show? They pay, they went, They went. were at the Hollywood Bowl, huh? One of the most amazing venues really? I've ever been to. Great you've show. never been to the Hollywood Bowl. It was my first oh, if time. You're ever out to, if you're ever in L.A., summertime, it's a glorious thing. I've never been there either. Oh, it's, it's a wonderful place. It's a good show. Amazing. You like fish. You're playing into the stereotype. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's surprising. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. I got my Jerry Garcia tie on. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm so shocked. All right, real quick, Rank, because uh, we're pressed for time here. Let's go through some of the tweets that we got, uh, again, at Adam Rank and uh, at Damashek are the way to track us down. Always appreciate hearing from you. Um, but, uh, oh, and the other thing I have to mention is right. I uh, people have been clamoring for more Talking Ball, my little segment that I do. Talking uh, Ball. Talking Ball just sat down with uh, Vikings head coach uh, Brad Childress. And it was, Brad Childress. Uh, yeah, it was great. It, it came out very well. And he Did had you some ask him why talk. he dressed like Madonna on the sideline? No, I, we didn't. We, we got into that a little bit. We talked. We actually talked some ball. Talked about his uh, his courageous son. I, I apologize. Oh, yeah. I thanked him for participating in my hooey and applesauce. This is my career. While his son uh, goes over to Afghanistan to defend the red, white, and blue. Yeah, I, I've, pretty big contrast. Trust me, my dad's a World War II veteran, so I understand what it's like <laughs> not living up to expectations. All right, life. so we have Saints at the Packers and uh, to, to start things off. And to me, that's about as good as it gets, with the exception of, I think I would say, Patriots and Packers. Because that's, is to that... me, I, I think that that, what, I, I, you know, I, I'm stunned still that the Jets were able to somehow go in there into Foxborough and beat the Patriots. But if the Patriots would have won, the Patriots would have smoked the Steelers in the title game and played them in the Super Bowl. And that would have been a fantastic shootout. That would have been a great uh, Super Bowl. So I think I might say Patriots, Packers. And uh, that's exactly what uh, Connor Cottrell said. We, one of the many responses that we got Patriots, Packers, not only could have been Super Bowl 45, but you got to say it could be the Super Bowl 46 matchup. Well, I guess so. I, you know, I, I've, I've said already, I'm not overwhelmed by any of the AFC teams. The Patriots seem to be the class of the conference. There's so many more good teams in the NFC this year than, uh, than there are in the AFC. A lot of flaws. I mean, I guess the Chiefs maybe emerge as the as one of the three or four best teams. I guess. Well, there's the going to be somebody we don't think of. Who didn't make the playoffs last year? Who Texans, makes the run. maybe. Maybe that I know everybody for at least a half dozen years loves yapping about how good the Texans but are going to be. But Phillips this year. Yeah, I know that they're going to have a pass rush this year, and they have some legitimately strong additions to the secondary. So I really like uh, like where they're headed. But that being said, yes, Patriots and uh, Packers are probably the 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 respective conferences two best teams. So that would be a good one. And Steel City Kid one one seven. Nick Rochetta said, what, Steelers, Ravens. No, nah, Steelers, right? Well, we're already getting that You're on getting Sunday. That, but why not for the kickoff match? Because I don't like a, a, an important division game. No, no, no important division game should be played in week one. It's Ooh. like it's, it's like when uh, college football teams, when you pit Florida State and uh, and Penn State against each other mm-hmm. in week one, that's no good. They say they're, 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 you can't have a game of that gravity played at the start of the thing, schedule a you know Northern Tennessee A T and M, but before you get into the right. Ravens, you know I don't like that. Or, uh, or in NFL terms, I guess the uh, should we do all interconference week one? Yes. But you, would, I don't they, want that. I don't, should they rank the teams 
NFC, AFC, one to sixteen, and then have the potential Super Bowl so matchups. So be it. I just don't like a game that very well could decide, or at least goes a long way towards deciding who's going to win the AFC North. I think that we can agree that the Steelers and Ravens are the two best teams in the North. So whoever wins that game, the first game of the season has has that sort of import. It doesn't that's seem important. right. Important. Every game matters. All this right. isn't baseball. Great news. Or ne- the NBA. Neck tie dye is no better than his predecessor, Necktie Milner. He's given us the wrap it up. Oh, here we go. All right. All right. So I guess we won't talk about it. And for uh, a little while longer, we may do. Do you like necktie or necktie? I talk about it. <laughs> we may or may not do a podcast tomorrow, Friday. We're talking about doing one, but we're working a special on guest. Yeah, we might. Possible. We, we may do it. We may not. Uh, keep on the lookout for it. The best way to do it is to uh, go to iTunes and subscribe, and then it'll just be there waiting for you. It'll be a nice little, uh, a, a little uh, start to your weekend surprise. You know. You have something to say, neck tie dye. You're leaning in as though you have to something of of uh, something. Of, what are, what's coming on? What's course. pushing us out? Is now, it the cover two? Cover two podcast. Cover two. Yeah, oh, are you Lucky are you still doing wife? cover two? I don't know if I'm I, doing I don't, it. I don't like this conflict oh, of interest. Yeah, exactly. the the big event that they're doing on the cover two podcast today is uh, is that uh, neck tie dye is presenting the Jack Youngblood uh, signed football <laughs> to, to Bucky uh, to Brooks. Bucky Brooks. I don't know why he doesn't. When do I get to do it? Can I do a pop in on the cover two? Yeah, you're more than Give welcome. them guys some heat. Anytime. The heat master. I'll walk in. <laughs> all right. Enough. I think we've I, I think we've said it all, and I think it's time <laughs> to wrap this thing up. We'll be back for more Huey and Apple sauce later on but in the meantime thanks so much football fans it's been a thin slice of heaven you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.